If you have your Bibles, would you please turn with me to Proverbs chapter 1. We begin a new series now for the next several weeks in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is an excellent book to be going through and not just go through it once, but to have repeated times in these scriptures, these proverbs. A proverb means to be like, and um, you can think of maybe sayings that have been said over the years, maybe even sayings from uh, people that were your own parents, or maybe sayings that you say as a parent. I'm going to just walk through a few. I asked my family Yesterday, be my brothers and sisters, my mom and dad, I'm saying, hey, what are some things that you remember hearing as a kid or maybe things you say as a parent? And I appreciate these, just full of, of wisdom, like don't eat yellow snow. You know, that's a good thing. And I mean, I know it's April, but if you see yellow snow today, just stay away from it. No yellow snow. I remember this one. If you turn it on, turn it off. If you open it, close it. And if you get it out, put it away. Ah, that's great advice. Yeah. Another one, don't ride your tricycle down the stairs. That's a good one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you can pick your friends, and you can pick your nose, but you can't pick your friend's nose. Have you ever heard that one? Excellent proverb. These aren't in the Bible, by the way. These are just Proverbs that we get. Early to bed, early to rise, makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise, right, and tired. But that's just an add-on there. So these are things that we might hear, and it's just some of these moments of advice. And to just kind of walk you through understanding the book of Proverbs, most of these are written by King Solomon, And he was writing them for his son. He's passing on these words of wisdom. Solomon spoke 3,000 Proverbs. That's given to us in 1 Kings chapter 4. And we know King Solomon was a king who asked God for wisdom. And God gave it to him. He received that in 1 Kings 3. And the book of Proverbs is filled with hundreds of verses that teach us how to live and to act wisely. And we see these teachings that are given to his son. We can take these for ourselves today. And to kind of walk you through a bit of an outline here of the book of Proverbs, but Proverbs chapters 1 through 9, you get a breakdown here of, if you will, 10 letters, if you will, from a father to a son, and then four speeches about lady wisdom. And then you shift gears Uh, In Proverbs 10 through 29, you look at hundreds of Proverbs that are written down that apply to wisdom and fear into every area of life that you can imagine, whether it's peer pressure or sexual temptation or about your character, about faith, about your obedience, about alcohol, about justice, about discipline, about your family, about parenting, marriage, friendship, communication, money. It goes on and on. The book of Proverbs is filled with all kinds of truth. And then it ends with two uh, chapters, 30 and 31, with two writers that we really don't know a whole lot about, but their names are Agur and Lemuel. And so these wisdom psalms are good for us to lean into here today. They're for every person and every season of life, and it's a guide for living well 
in God's world. And so we're going to lean into this series here over the next several weeks. And before we get into Proverbs 1, I'm just going to ask that you would join me in prayer as we settle our hearts to receive from the Word of God today. Father, we thank you for this time in your Word, and we ask for a blessing upon it. As we lean into your truth, I pray that we would see very clearly the things that we can apply into our life. Help us not to just listen to your word or listen to this message, but apply the truth that will be spoken here today. Lord, please use me to speak your heartbeat. And I ask for a blessing upon our children's ministry as they meet at this time. Lord, bless those who are teaching, those who are loving on these kids. I pray, Lord, that your spirit would be at work in the planting of the seeds of truth. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Proverbs 1. We're going to start here in verse 1. We're only going just about seven verses today. This first section is absolutely loaded. Okay, Proverbs 1. It says, These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them to do what is right, just, and fair. These Proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. Let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. And let those with understanding receive guidance by exploring the meaning in these proverbs and parables, the words of these wise, of the wise and their riddles. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. And that's where we're going to stop. So I want to just give you here the purpose of these seven verses. And the purpose is to recognize the wisdom that comes from God and also to understand what it means to have fear of the Lord. And so I want to give you just a real simple definition of wisdom. Wisdom is applied knowledge. Okay? We know things, and as we know these things, we apply them, and wisdom is carried out. Now, fear of the Lord is a reverence... It's an awe, a respect that we have of God. And these two things come together in this particular passage, specifically in verse 7, when the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Hey, there is all kinds of wisdom that would be out there, but there's a difference between Worldly wisdom and godly wisdom. In fact, the Bible speaks about that in James chapter 3. Because if we're going to apply knowledge, there's all kinds of knowledge out there that's available to us at our fingertips. The difference is if we're applying the godly knowledge, the things that God wants to speak into our life. In, in James 3, it talks about how worldly wisdom is earthly unspiritual, and demonic. That's the world's wisdom. That's what the world has to offer. But the wisdom of God in that passage, it says it's pure, it's peace-loving, it's considerate, it's submissive, full of mercy, and good fruit, 
It's impartial and it's sincere. And ultimately, the wisdom of God comes through Jesus and what Jesus did for us on the cross. 1 Corinthians 1 walks us through that. The Bible says that God made him, that is Jesus, to be wisdom. That passage also says that the message of the cross seems foolish for those who are perishing. So you can have a world that thinks it's so smart, it's so smart in fact that they feel they don't need God. And they think this whole gospel message is foolish. Why waste your time with the gospel message? The Bible points that out. People who think they're wise in their own eyes, they'll walk their own way. And they think that what God has for them is foolish. They'll pursue other things. And you can see that in the world around us. But what's interesting with that passage is the Bible says that God will actually take people that the world thinks would be fools, and he'll use them to proclaim this message. And there's a power that comes from God in that gospel message, and that power can save them, can shift them from the worldly wisdom to the godly wisdom that God would desire for us to have in our life. It starts at the cross with Jesus Christ. You want true wisdom in your life, you need to look at Christ. You need to bring him into the equation. You can pack all the knowledge you want in your brain, but if you stand before God at the end of your life without Christ, you are a fool. Christ is the one who brings wisdom. Now, here's a moment to just kind of stop the car. Okay, How many of you have ever had a moment in life where you're like, man, I really need wisdom? Anybody? Okay. And perhaps you are going through something like that right now. And so I put this moment in here because we're just going to stop the car and we're going to pray over people who right now are in need of wisdom. The Bible says if any of you is in need of wisdom, you're to ask our generous God. This is from James 1 verse 5. It doesn't just say ask you know, God that might give wisdom. It says ask our generous God. He gives wisdom generously to those who ask. And so if you're sitting here right now and you're going, I need wisdom, we're going to ask God for it right now, okay? So would you take a moment to pray with me as we ask God for wisdom? Father, I believe you prompted me to stop at this moment because there might be somebody listening that is in need of your wisdom and your guidance with the decisions that they're faced with. And so, Father, we come to you understanding that there are different kinds of wisdom. We can pursue the worldly ways or we can pursue your ways. And we want to honor you with the decisions that we make. And so we come to you asking for the wisdom to make those godly decisions. And we believe, just as your word says here in James 1, that if we ask, you give it. And so we believe that you are going to give us wisdom. You're equipping us to make the right decisions. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd guide us by your spirit, guide us by your word as we step into those decisions. If there's anything that's off and that's not in line with what you desire, I pray that you'd make that very clear. 
So we thank you for this, Lord. We believe and we expect that you're going to give this because you say you will. And we take you at your word. Please equip us with wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, to me, the foundation of receiving this godly wisdom, to receiving this godly knowledge, it comes from a place of fear of the Lord. And just as I said earlier, we live in a world that thinks the message of the cross is foolish. We also live in a world that doesn't fear God. And they'll do whatever they want to do. What's interesting, too, is it seems like they almost fear man more than they fear God. And so they begin to make decisions out of that place of fear of man. And they don't even recognize that there's a God who's way bigger than man. The journey to wisdom begins with fear of the Lord, a reverential and healthy respect of him. And only then can we embrace a moral mindset. And the book of Proverbs invites people to live with wisdom and in the fear of the Lord in order to experience a good life. You know, some people look at the scriptures and think, this is a rule book to just suck all the joy out of your life. And they think, that thing, that book is outdated. I mean, it's 2023. It was written how many years ago? I don't want that thing. You can see there's no fear of God. They think this is foolish and that God just is a fun hater. But in all actuality, this book, the scriptures, are designed to reveal to us the love of God through the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's also instructions in this book on how to live. And as you live according to the word, you're going to generally find that things are going to go well for you. There's going to be a blessing over your life. God doesn't hate you having fun. He wants to bless you. And so he goes, here's ways in which you can live according to that blessing. But the world that doesn't fear God says, I don't want a part of that. I'd rather go have my own fun. I'd rather make my own way, make my own blessing. We open the service with Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll make your paths straight. It doesn't say he'll make your paths boring. I can tell you this. I've walked long enough with the Lord to tell you that it's not boring. The world might find me boring. I'm okay with that. I don't know about you. But God will guide you. God will lead you in his ways, in his blessings. You'll experience him, the thrill of what it's like to walk with Christ. But that comes from this place of fear, of respect, of reverence. You know, Proverbs has several verses that speak to the fear of the Lord It's the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 8.13, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. It says, I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. Proverbs 9, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 
and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Proverbs 15, 16, better a little, meaning the resources of life, with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. Proverbs 19, 23, the fear of the Lord leads to life, then one rests content, untouched by trouble. Here's a quote from Jared Longshore. He says, without the fear of the Lord, marriages crumble or they limp along. Education leads to swollen conceit. Money leads to evil. Work leads to frustration. Loss results in depression. Gain results in pride, and the list goes on and on. The fear of the Lord is a good thing. Recognizing our position before God. He is so much bigger than we are, yet we have a tendency to shrink him down. You know, there's a difference in the kind of fear that a unbeliever would have compared to a believer. Essentially, an unbeliever's fear is of God's wrath. Bible's very clear that God does have a wrath for sin. And those that do not bring Jesus into the equation who took that wrath upon himself, you're under the wrath of God that is against sin. That's a very, very fearful thing. They may not know this, but in Matthew 10, 28, it says, don't be afraid of those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Remember earlier when I said that the world can fear man more than it can fear God? That's a sobering verse. Luke 12, verse 5 says, But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him. It says, After your body's been killed, he has the authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear God. Fear him. Hebrews 12, 25. Be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. That is God. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger... We will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. And then this last one, Hebrews 10, 31. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. We can become rather casual with God. Okay, And here's the thing. I know this with all my heart. God is a very gracious, compassionate, merciful, loving God. But understand this, the God of the Bible is not just loving, he's just and loving. Sin is serious, and God is serious about the curse of sin, and he's sent the answer to sin through Jesus Christ. But if you reject Jesus, the wrath of God is coming. There should be a fear in that for the unbeliever. Now, here's the beauty. This is where it shifts. Is when the Holy Spirit helps you to realize that you're a sinner and that you need Christ in your life. And that Christ can cover you from the wrath of God towards sin. So Jesus took that wrath upon himself at the cross. And if you put your life under Jesus' covering, 
you become a child of God. And your fear shifts. He's now your father. Jesus gives you access to the father. And the fear that you have is one of disappointing God. I mean, think of what he's done for you. He sets you free from the curse of sin. He's redeemed you from a future of hell for an eternity. And he's given you heaven as the destination. That's the kind of love God has for us. And he becomes this loving father who speaks to us. And the fear is called a filial fear. That of a father. The kind of fear that a child would have for their parents. Now, I want to stop here because it's quite possible with this many people listening that there's somebody who has relationships with their parents that weren't healthy. Okay, And the, what I'm describing to you is the kind of relationship that God would want for us to have with our parents. But because of the curse of sin and the decisions we make, it gets complicated and it gets complicated fast. But this is a perfect kind of relationship with a perfect God, our Father, who loves you. And he's good. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. He is good. And he is our Father. We are his children. And there should be a tremendous amount of respect and love that we have for God. And that includes a desire to please God with the things that we do in our life. A filial love, to some degree, the fear that would come with that is, is we get anxious that we don't ever want to disappoint that person because we love them. We're afraid of displeasing or disappointing the one who's the source of this security and this love that we feel. Let me break it down to you here with um, basically two verses that come from 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians 6 is the passage that talks about being unequally yoked, but instead we should be yoked together with those who would be a believer. So whether that's in marriage, make sure your spouse is a, a believer. Or if you're going to go into a business decision, make sure your partner is on the same page, okay, unequally yoked. In the same context of that passage in 2 Corinthians 6.18, it says, I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. And then right after that in 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1. So we're establishing God's your father and we are sons and daughters of the Lord Almighty. And then in 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1, it says, Because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit and let us work toward complete holiness because we fear God. So because we're children of our heavenly Father, let us cleanse ourselves and work toward holiness because we fear God. So there's a problem as we walk in a world that's full of worldly wisdom and thinks the ways of Jesus and the cross are foolish, doesn't fear him, we can get kind of caught up in the mentality of the world 
And when we get comfortable with the world, we get casual with God. That's a problem. When we get comfortable with the world, we get casual with God, and we begin to shrink God down in our own minds because the world is like, it's all about you. And you puff yourself up. And it's about what you want and your desires rather than going, hey, it's about God and his desires. And our God is much, much bigger than we make him out to be sometimes. You know, in Proverbs 3, verses 19 and 20, it talks about how the wisdom of the Lord, it founded the earth. And by understanding, God created the heavens. And by his knowledge, the deep fountains of the earth burst forth, and the dew settles beneath the night sky. How many of you had a really busy week of work? Okay? Bet you didn't create anything like that. And we think we're something. And we puff ourselves up bigger than the creator of all things? Who are we to think that? By his wisdom, he founded the earth. By his understanding, he creates the heavens. By his knowledge, the deep fountains of the earth burst forth and the dew settles beneath the night sky. We have a very big God. Our God is the creator of the universe, the entire universe. And he spoke everything into existence. Those who fear God recognize his work. Our God is the one who flooded the entire earth because of its wickedness, but saved those who feared him. Our God is the one who parted the Red Sea for those who feared him, saving them from their oppressors. Our God is the one who led those who feared him with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. He leads those who fear him. Our God is the one who opened up the earth and swallowed up those who did not fear him and give respect to the leadership that he had ordained in Moses. Our God is the one who supernaturally dropped these massive walls of Jericho so that those who feared him could go in and take the city over. Our God is the one who stopped the sun in mid-orbit so that those who feared him could continue to fight the battle and win. Our God is the one who stood in a fiery furnace with three men who were thrown inside because they feared God and would not bow to anyone else. Our God is the one who shut the mouths of lions to protect a God-fearing man that refused to pray to anyone else but God. Our God is the one who miraculously placed our Savior Jesus into the womb of a virgin teenage girl who feared him. Our God is the one who can toss around any demon, even thousands at once. You better believe they 
fear him. Our God is the one who can heal and restore, resurrect. He can empower and he can give incredibly huge purpose into life to those who call out to him in fear. Again, that reverence. Our God is the one who brings salvation through Jesus Christ alone to all who fear and trust in that name. Our God is the one who will one day make all things new. And those who fear him will dwell in his house forever. This is our God. Do not get casual. He's huge. He's massive. He's to be revered, to be respected, to be awed. He's to be feared. I've got a question. As I was sharing these truths about our God and what he's done for people who have feared him, did that stir you a little bit? Like, did that kind of put some juice behind you, you know, get you excited? Some of you are just looking at me like, nope. (laughs) No, some of you are giving me a look right now. You're like, yes, that did stir me. The Bible says that you and I, we should delight in fearing God. We should delight in it. When we're talking about these things, there should be something that causes us to go, yeah, that's my God. He did that for them. He'll do that for me today. I can trust him. I fear that God. That God is my heavenly father. I love him. I don't want to displease him. I don't want to disappoint him. I want to live my life for him. And I don't want to cozy up to the world and just say, how far away can I get from from the scriptures without actually sinning against God? Maybe it's just I want to be as close as I can to the path that he has for me. I don't care what the world has to offer. Because I fear him, and I delight in that. Nehemiah 1, verse 11. This is for us, and servants of Christ, fearing God. It says, O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name. And we have this modeled for us in Jesus. In Isaiah 11, verses 2 through 3, it says, And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon Jesus, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. Verse 3, And Jesus' delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. Even Jesus has that filial fear. And as we're invited in to be the children of God, we are to delight in fearing the Lord. And then here's the Father's response in Psalm 147, verse 11. The Bible says, The Lord takes pleasure, or he delights, in those who fear him. He delights in those who fear him, and whose hope is in his steadfast love. God loves when his children fear him. Because that filial fear leads us into a a sincere, 
relationship with him and a sincere desire to please him. The reason why we exist is to bring God glory. That's why we're created. And so when we fear God, we start to do things that would glorify him, not ourselves. God loves it when we approach him as our father and say, Heavenly Father, I want to live in a way that pleases you. So here's something interesting. This is from Tim and Kathy Keller. It says, the fear of the Lord increases the more grace and forgiveness are experienced. So that, here's what that tells me. Is that when I screw up, because inevitably I'm going to. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to do something that the Lord would not desire. Because I'm a sinner saved by grace and I've not yet reached perfection. And neither have you. Okay, so don't judge me. But we're going to make mistakes. And here's the beauty. The more we experience the grace of God, the more we love him, the more we fear him. God's love for us and his plans for us and his desire for us is that when we make mistakes is to get up, dust yourself off, and keep walking. Satan would love for you to feel condemnation. He would want you to hear things like this. God doesn't love you. God doesn't have plans for your life. Look at the mess you've created. You really think God can restore that? You really think God can redeem the things that you've done? That's the voice of the enemy. I'm going to silence his voice right now. In the name of Jesus, God loves you. He can take any situation and completely redeem it for his honor, for his glory. So wherever you're at in your life right now, in the fear of God, come to the one who can restore that need in your life. Our response today is to get your heart in a place of reverence and respect to God. To know that he desires to be at work in your life. Will you lean into that? Or will you do things your own way? And then we broke down. I mean, I want to live in godly wisdom. I don't want to do things my way. And if you desire to, to lean into the Lord, again, no, we stop this message to pray for those that needed wisdom. You can ask him at any time, at any day, you can say, God, I need wisdom and believe he's going to give it to you. God wants to be involved in your life. He wants to equip you to live for him. And you know what? As you do so, the world is going to think you're a fool. That's also the voice of the enemy. Just ignore that. The beauty of getting into his word is you're reminded of how he thinks about you, not how the world thinks about you.
So lean into his voice. Would you pray with me at this time? Father, I thank you for your unconditional love. And no matter the things that we might be facing right now, the the things that we've been walking through, maybe even the things that we have done that we know they're, they're not what you desire. But Lord, in the midst of that, your love is calling us. You love your children. And you want them to be walking in your ways. You want them to be walking in your purpose for their life. So I pray, Lord, just in this moment, we would come to you. If there's any area of needing to ask for your forgiveness, we do that now. Please help us. And I pray that you would stir in us that healthy fear of you as our Father. We want to respect you. We want to be in awe of you. We want to revere you. We want to fear you. I pray that by your spirit you would help us to do so. Lord, if there's anyone listening right now that when I talked about the fear of the wrath of God, that if you're not in Christ, please hear that message of God's love for you. He wants to redeem you from sin, but you need to come to Jesus and ask him into your life. If you desire today to receive his gift of salvation, then I invite you to pray with me in your heart. Simply say, Jesus, I need you. I'm a sinner, and I need your saving grace. Today I'm asking for you to forgive me. And I put my faith and my trust in Jesus Christ, the one who can cover my sin. Jesus gives me access to a relationship with you. And today I receive him by grace through faith. And as I receive Christ... I'm receiving your wisdom. The world would think this is foolish. But I'm trusting today that this is the wisest thing I could ever do. Thank you for saving me. Father, as we all respond to this message today, may we truly understand that we've been created to glorify you. In everything that we do, let us figure out how to glorify you. It's about Jesus and ministering to people through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let us not get casual with you 
but let us stay sensitive to your voice each and every day. We thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen.